Good morning. Welcome again to Family Sunday. Uh, I'm Kristen Johnson, one of the shepherds on staff here. Um, As a kid, spiritual gifts were a little mysterious and kind of great. I understood they had nothing to do with birthday or Christmas gifts, but how you received one was less clear to me. I knew about spiritual gift tests or inventories where you filled out a paper and discovered your gift. Uh, I was not super impressed with the idea of taking a test to get a gift that was not a toy. Um, But as I got older, the mystery did not become much clearer. Uh, I took those spiritual gift inventories, and depending on my own answers, I could have a lot of gifts or no gifts. Who was I to quantify how much faith I had? Did I really have the gift of service, or was I just good at doing what I was asked? It was muddy. And I often thought, I don't have any of those gifts. And I'm not even sure they're gifts. Why not call them chores or responsibilities? Because they sound hard and not very fun. I was confused about spiritual gifts, not just as a kid, even as an adult. And some of you probably feel the same way, whether you're a fourth grader or a 40-year-old or an 80-year-old. Today, today's text is often used with a few other passages to create a list of spiritual gifts. And we are careful to say that the list is not comprehensive, and you could have a gift that is not listed in the Bible. That's all true. But we focus a lot on the lists. So I have good news. The main point of today's passage is not about spiritual gifts. The gifts are a side point. Paul was less interested in the Corinthians' spiritual gifts and more interested in the health of the church at Corinth. Remember how Darren framed 1 Corinthians last week? It's true for this week, too. Paul is emphasizing that we are called to glorify God by imitating Christ in sacrificial service of other people for their good. Paul was concerned about what it meant for a bunch of individuals to be the church together. He wanted them to bring their diversity into unity. That diversity included the facts of their identity, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, And that diversity included what the Spirit empowered, the gifts the Spirit gave. But Paul wanted their diversity to contribute toward healthy unity. Aren't you hungry for that? Aren't you longing to be a healthy and useful part of a healthy and useful body? Let's lean into that together today. Let's lean into the idea of bringing our individual diversity into healthy unity. Paul uses repetition in this passage to highlight unity. The first word to notice, it's repeated nine times. That must mean it's significant. It is the Greek word autos, A-U-T-O-S in English. And we see it mostly translated as same in the ESV. If you want to mark it in your journals, we see it seven times in this paragraph, starting in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same autos spirit And there are varieties of service, but the same autos Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same autos God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the 
same autos spirit, to another faith by the same autos spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one autos spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same autos spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Altos comes up again in verse 18, where the ESV translates it, each one of them, Altos, and in verse 25, the same Altos care for one another. But let's stay in verses 4 through 11 right now. Same spirit, same Lord, same God, same spirit, same spirit, one spirit, same spirit. Do you think Paul might have been trying to get the Corinthians to notice something about God? In verses 4 through 6, Paul highlights the Trinity. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Lord is the shorthand way of saying Lord Jesus. And God is the Father. And what is the Trinity doing in these verses? God is empowering the gifts or service or activities within the believers in Corinth. Throughout this paragraph, the emphasis is on the same spirit who is in each believer and empowering each follower of Jesus to exercise the gifts God gives. The actual gifts, which do vary, are not the point. The point is the Spirit. There is unity in the sameness of the Spirit that each of them and each of us receive within us when we say yes to Jesus and submit our lives to him. There is unity in the sameness in the way the Spirit works in each of us. That's true whether we're kids or teenagers or young adults or older adults or anywhere in between. Notice verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What unifies us is that we each, regardless of age or stage of life, are given the same Spirit. And for what purpose? The common good. The entire passage hinges on us grasping this. And we need to internalize it and allow it to transform the way we live. You ready? I was not given the Spirit or any gift from him for my own good. Neither were you. This is not about me or you. It's about us. God seals us as individuals with the Holy Spirit when we each profess faith in Jesus. Listen to Ephesians 1.13. In Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. God gives us each the Spirit, and 1 Corinthians tells us the Spirit's presence and gifting is for our common good. When we individually commit ourselves to Jesus, we change our personal status in relationship with Jesus, and we receive the Holy Spirit, and we become an adopted child of God. That all happens, and we also become a member of the family of God the body of Christ. I become a part of us. You become a part of us. There is a group identity that we become a part of when we say yes to Jesus. 
as an aside, that's one of the reasons that we have church membership here. It is an affirmation that being a follower of Jesus makes us a member of God's family. And one way we can demonstrate that is by committing to a specific body of believers. Church membership is saying, I am family with this specific group of Jesus followers, and we are going to use our gifts together. It's so valuable. The Spirit's presence and the gifts that he gives are for the common good of the church. Paul goes on to list some of what the Spirit gives to individual believers for the church's common good. These are not gifts to puff up any individual or even for their own benefit. They are for the whole church to work best together and be its healthiest and most unified self, not by everyone being the same, but by each person offering how God created them and how God uniquely gifts them for the benefit of the whole. Wisdom and knowledge, faith and healing, prophecy, tongues, these are all intended to be used in the shared life of the church. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This repeats the idea of verse 7 and adds in some of that mystery that I rightly felt about spiritual gifts even as a kid. There is mystery in what God chooses to give each of us to be used for the common good of the church. He may give, or a portion, as it says here, something to someone for a season or longer term. In places like Luke 12 and Luke 21, it says the Spirit will give the words we need at the time they are needed. That sounds like a short-term gift that you might get from the Spirit providing it when you need the words to explain your faith. Some gifts, perhaps, Uh, prophecy or teaching or generosity or service, gifts we see mentioned in Romans 12, those might be longer-term gifts. But again, for the individual to use for the common good of the church body. And how those gifts are used may change throughout a person's life. We get to stay open to the Spirit and new ways God might ask us to contribute even with the same gift. This section of 1 Corinthians is about corporate worship. Last week covered propriety in worship services and gathering around the table for communion, which we'll do shortly. Paul is still talking about corporate worship and how we use our gifts in the communal setting of the church body. We do not have permission to hold out. We do not have permission to ignore or hold out our gifts. We have an obligation to share our gifts with our church body. Look at the next two verses, beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Here, through the end of our passage today, we see the Greek word heis, H-E-I-S, primarily translated as one in the ESV. It shows up 10 times in 15 verses. Paul is hammering home same and one. He has a huge focus on the unity of the church. We are all individuals. That's the many members. But the emphasis is on our shared oneness. The same spirit we all received makes us one body. We are still unique individuals. We must bring our individual diversity together into healthy group unity. 
Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. A body is not a body if it is made up of all one part. If we were all hands, uh, there would be no body at all. It would be some kind of mutant or monster. We each need to be the part God made us to be and use the specific gifts God gives us in order to be one body. We do not have permission to opt out and say, because I'm not fill-in-the-blank, or because I don't have fill-in-the-blank gift, I do not belong to the body. We belong, and we have an obligation to share our gifts with our church body. All the gifts are needed. Verse 18 calls out that God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And we can trust God's arrangement of the body and his wisdom in exactly what he created. There is no room for gift envy here. And there is no room to hold out or opt out of sharing our gifts with our body. We each have a role to play. We may not know in churchy language what our gift is. That's okay. Do you know a great way to figure out what your gift is? I'll give you a hint. You do not need to take a test. Okay. Get involved in the life of the church. Start serving somewhere. So many of you already do. Thank you. But if you don't, if you go through the process to serve here, that includes having a conversation with our shepherd of volunteers who is incredible at listening to your interests and passions, which, spoiler, may be part of your gifting, and then helping to place you in a service opportunity that aligns with how God made you. That might be part of how you identify your gift. Or sometimes by stepping up, even in non-official service serving capacities, because that's outside of some people's realm, right? People sometimes point out ways that you're gifted. If you are one of those people who manages to strike up a conversation with somebody and listen really well and follow up with them later, somebody might notice and point out, you, you might have the gift of mercy in that. If you are one of the ones who goes around and picks up all the leftover communion cups, not because you have to, but just because you see them, or if you stick around after an event and help tear down sound equipment, someone might comment on your gift of service, and you might not notice those things because to you, it's just what you do or who you are. My grandma had the gift of hospitality. She could talk to anyone, anywhere, and make them feel known, loved, and at home. She did that in the grocery store, the airport, and the church. And to her, it was no big deal. It was not an effort to make people feel at ease. It was who she was. And it's not like one day she was just keeping to herself and then she was gifted by the Spirit and she started inviting strangers to dinner. Like, that, that's not how that worked. She was a friendly, welcoming person before she ever met Jesus as a middle-aged woman. But as a Jesus follower, the Spirit used her natural friendliness in a gifted way for the common good of the body of Christ. 
She was gifted at noticing the person no one was noticing, including them, and making them feel at home. She was not paid to do that. It was not a formal role in the church. She did it because she loved Jesus and she loved people. And my grandma jumped in and did things outside her gifting. Having the gift of hospitality did not give her an excuse to not be generous or serve or have mercy in other ways. Sometimes we all stretch beyond our gifts. When there's a need, we may not be gifted to meet it, but we may still have a responsibility to step up. There are lots of times when, for the common good of the church body, we contribute beyond our gifting. That's being a part of a family. Sometimes you take out the trash because the trash needs to be emptied, or you throw a party because there is a reason to celebrate, and that has nothing to do with your spiritual gift. You do it in your own family, and we get to do it in the church family, too. But how great is it when we all bring our diverse gifts together and allow individuals to flourish in using their gifts for the good of the whole church? If we all had the gift of hospitality and no one had the gift of administration, we would be a mess. It might be fun, and people might feel very included, but details would be missed. We would have a detrimental lack. We need the diversity of all our gifts being used in coordination with one another. That's a healthy body. When a body has an injury, it has to compensate. If you sprain your ankle, you might limp. That's a compensation. But what happens as you limp? You take some of the pressure off your ankle, which is helpful for your ankle, but you can mess up your back if you limp too long, compensating for your ankle. That happens in the church, too. When one part of the body is injured or absent, or when people hold out or opt out, it forces other parts to compensate. If everyone with the gift of generosity opts out of using their gift, other people have to step up and compensate. And that's okay in the short term. We can limp in that way for a little while. It is good for all of us to be generous. But ultimately, it leads to an unhealthy body when one part is not using their gift. If I stop operating out of my gift to cover for someone else who's not using their gift— That might help us for a while, depending on their gift, but eventually the body is going to suffer. I'm not fulfilling their part the way the gifted person could, and I'm not using my own gift the best way possible for the benefit of the body. So why would anyone not use their gift? There are many reasons, ranging from ignorance of our gifting to selfishness and everything in between, that can cause us to hold out or opt out. But Paul actually points to a reason we do not talk a lot about in the church. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Family, we damage our own body far too often and far too seriously by telling our own brothers and sisters, I have no need of you. Now, we may not say those exact words, but the message comes through loud and clear. When we cling to our preferences, we tell others with different preferences, I have no need of you. 
When we isolate with others in our age group, we say to those younger and older, I have no need of you. When we only interact with those people that are like us, whether that be our hobby, our life stage, our secondary, our positions on secondary issues of theology, whenever we do that, whenever we say to those we've deemed not like us, I have no need of you. When we are wired or even gifted to get things done and see things with a yes or no view, we may be saying to those who may be artists or dreamers or questioners, I have no need of you. We mutilate our own body in the process. To those of you who have heard the words, I have no need of you, we have wronged you. Thank you for still being here. We need you. I need you. I've heard those words too. They've been said to me and they've been said about me. And I'm still here. This is my family. This is where I have been called to use my gifts. I am all in here and I need you to be all in here too. We need one another. We are one body. We do not have permission to cut out a brother or sister and say, I have no need of you. We have an obligation to let others share their gifts with our church body. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Paul is very clear. We are all given the same spirit. The spirit gives different gifts to be used for the same common good. And he is very clear, verse 12, the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 14, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Verse 20, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 25, that there may be no division in the body. Paul wanted the Corinthians to bring their diversity into healthy unity. Some of that division, it was their facts of identity. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And some of that diversity was spirit-empowered. But Paul wanted all their diversity to contribute toward healthy unity. Each person mattered. And there were no qualifiers of age or gender or location of usage for the gifts the Spirit gave. Each follower of Jesus in Corinth was given the same Spirit— who gave gifts as he chose for his purposes, for the common good of the whole body. Fullerton free, God wants no less for us. Our body does not consist of one member, but of many. We have many parts, yet one body. We cannot function with division in the body. We need each person 
exactly as God created them and with the exact gifts the Spirit has given to bring his or her full diversity into the unity of the body. We do not have permission to hold out, to opt out, or to cut out. We need every person bringing their gift for the good of the whole body. It will take sacrifice and humility from each one of us. We may not understand what the Spirit is doing, but we can trust that he holds our diversity together in unity for our good and his glory. It is worth it. Look at the end of verse 24 and verse 25 again. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. What is the solution to division? Care for one another. When we care for one another, it is incompatible to say, I have no need of you. When we care for one another, it removes the motivation to envy or denigrate the gift of another. When we care for one another, we lean in together. We do not hold out or opt out or cut out. When we care for one another, we are not fixated on everyone doing the same thing the same way. That's uniformity. But rather, we celebrate our diversity and recognize it is the only way to have true unity. Care for one another is genuine shared pursuit of our common good. My health is contingent on your health because it's really our health. Not one of us can be the body alone. We need each other. We need the same spirit in each one of us to be empowering us to function together for our common good and the glory of God. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the just audacious gift of the Spirit to each one of us, that you would be so generous to us, that you would give us the ability to be one body. We cannot do it on our own. God, forgive us for the ways we have held out or opted out. Convict us of the ways we have cut out. We can't do any of this in our own power. So we turn to you. We thank you for the privilege it is to be a body together. And we ask that you would strengthen and embolden us to come together in unity. In Jesus' name, amen.